Book of Mormon Prophecy, a podcast series by Avraham Gileadi, Ph.D. 28. On Becoming Brothers of Jared Should Latter-day Saints act on God's invitation to see all things the brother of Jared saw by exercising faith and performing a similar ministry to his? Welcome to podcast number 28 on Becoming Brothers of Jared. Now that is interesting because this is not an Israelite, and yet we Latter-day Saints who've come through the Gentile lineages, and the brother of Jared being a Gentile, right, can learn a lot from the brother of Jared's life. Now it starts off in the book of Ether describing how the Lord confused the languages at the Tower of Babel of the people. Jared asked his brother, who was says highly favored of the Lord, if the Lord would not confuse their language they could remain intelligible to one another. But we have to ask ourselves, why would it say that about the brother Jared, that he was highly favored of the Lord? We have to assume that there's a whole backstory to that, that the brother Jared had progressed spiritually to such a degree that he could function basically as a savior or proxy savior to others besides himself, those to whom he ministered, so to speak, those for whom he pled. He pled their cause with the Lord and the Lord answered him and them for the sake of the brother Jared. And that is exactly how proxy savers work. In this case, it is all about temporal salvation. And the Lord goes so far with them that he eventually gives them the promised land of the Americas in which to dwell. First of all, we go to Ether, chapter 1, verses 40 and 42. Jumping in on this story in the middle, the Lord hears the brother Jared. And that's really key. It came to pass that the Lord did hear the brother of Jared and had compassion upon him and said unto him, Go to and gather together thy flocks, both male and female of every kind, and also of the seed of the earth of every kind, and thy families, and also Jared and thy brother and his family, and also thy friends and their families, and the friends of Jared and their families. And when thou hast done this, thou shalt go at the head of them down into the valley which is northward, and there will I meet thee, and I will go before thee into a land which is choice above all other lands of the earth. So we see this is really an Exodus imagery. This is Exodus theme and a wandering in the wilderness. And that is one of the reasons, of course, why it's in the Book of Mormon. It's part of the great Exodus pattern that we find over and over again in the Book of Mormon that clue us in to how an Exodus works. In this case, it's not just one family, or even two, like Lehi and Ishmael's families. It's about eight families, them and their friends. And they're all under the auspices of the Lord because of the brother of Jared. And the Lord guides their journeys. Let's take this all in because it applies to us as a type and shadow what is going to happen to us and what is destined to happen to us here in a short time as we also go into in an exodus to promised land, as the world comes to an end, and the wicked are destroyed, and the Lord comes in glory. Read further in Ether 2, verses 5 through 8. The Lord leads the brother of Jared's people. It came to pass that the Lord commanded them that they should go forth into the wilderness, into that quarter where there never had man been. And it came to pass that the Lord did go before them, and did talk with them as he stood in a cloud, and gave directions whither they should travel. So right there it tells you 
something very similar to what happened when the Israelites traveled through the wilderness to their promised land of Israel, Palestine of that day. And they were led by the angel in the cloud of glory. And so it is here. And it's the Lord who leads them himself and gives directions where they should travel. And in the case of the Israelites coming out of Egypt, wherever the cloud of glory went, that's where they followed. So I imagine it's the same here, or something very similar. I came to pass that they did travel in the wilderness and did build barges in which they did cross many waters, probably large lakes, it seems like, being directed continually by the hand of the Lord. And the Lord would not suffer that they should stop beyond the sea in the wilderness, but he would that they should come forth even unto the land of promise, which was choice above all other lands, which the Lord God had preserved for a righteous people. And he had sworn in his wrath unto the brother of Jared that whoso should possess this land of promise from that time henceforth and forever should serve him, the true and only God, or they would be swept off when the fullness of his wrath should come upon them. So there we need to see that because this, this phrase about keeping the commandments of the Lord where they'll be swept off when the fullness of his wrath has come. I don't know how many times it's repeated in the Book of Mormon, but it is almost like a, a warning that's emphasized over and over to us Latter-day readers of the Book of Mormon. And here it is again. We see it everywhere throughout the Book of Mormon. And we have to tie this into the future exodus out of the world, or Babylon, that we've been talking about in these podcasts of the House of Israel, of the Jews, and the Ten Lost Tribes, and the Lamanites of today, and other ethnic lineages perhaps, because they're going to go through these same motions. And guess who's going to be the brother of Jared to lead them? Us Latter-day Saints, Ephraimites, who fulfill our birthright role toward them. You're beginning to see the pattern here, how important this is. This is not just a story about the Jaredites, you know, oh, that's of interest and this is of interest. No, it's by design that we're told these things and shown how these exoduses and wanderings in the wilderness work. And there's always a leader that leads them. And those are the kings and queens of the Gentiles we've talked about in previous podcasts. Those who are translated into angelic form as seraphs. Those who are watchmen of God's people who minister to them and plead on their behalf and so forth. Let me go to Ether chapter 2, verses 14 through 15. The brother of Jared intercedes for his brethren. It came to pass that in the four years that the Lord came again unto the brother of Jared and stood in the cloud and talked with him. Now, at this point in time, they had stayed for four years in, in one place. And if they came from the Tower of Babel and traveled west, this could be, say, in France or Spain or Portugal today. And, you know, those are beautiful countries and they stayed there and had a wonderful rest and they started forgetting about the Lord. This, this is the situation here. It came to pass that in the four years that the Lord came again unto the brother of Jared and stood in a cloud and talked with him. And for the space of three hours did the Lord talk with the brother of Jared. That's a long time by our standards. They must have talked over a lot of things, right? And chastened him because he remembered not to call upon the name of the Lord. It doesn't say that they forgot to pray. It says that the brother of Jared did not call upon the name of the Lord. That on a whole different level of just normal prayer. Because then it says, And the brother of Jared repented of the evil which he had done. Because as their proxy savior, he had a greater responsibility, that of a king or a minister, to them. And so that was evil, the fact that he had not done that. 
And the brother Jared repented of the evil which he had done and did call upon the name of the Lord for his brethren who were with him. And that's the key, that last phrase, for his brethren who were with him. That is what he had not been doing until that time. And that is why the Lord chastened him. Then we go on to Ether 3, verses 23 through 27. The brother of Jared sees all things. Now, notice how this is a journey, right? It's a physical journey, but it's also a spiritual journey. Because of what happens in an exodus and wandering in the wilderness, you're completely dependent upon the Lord. And that's the essence of what's going on here. You're learning to depend upon him from day to day, for food, for water, for moisture, for direction. Once you come under the auspices of the Lord directly like that, you begin to grow spiritually in ways that you could not have just by staying in Babylon, staying where you are put today, for example. The brother Jared goes through the motions of building the barges. The Lord gives him two of the stones that he smelts. I think there are about 16 stones total, 16 for the barges, perhaps 18 stones, and two stones of the ones he smelts, he gives to him. Now, where did the brother Jared learn all of this? And how did he know how to build barges and, and smelt stones and so forth? Well, no doubt, he got some information from Noah, who'd done the same thing. When Noah built the ark, the ark was shut. There had to be a light inside the ark, right? And there had to be ways of getting air and some light. I'm sure he learned a lot because there were traditions from the time of Noah about these things. The Lord says to him, Behold, these two stones will I give unto thee, and ye shall seal them up also with the things which ye shall write. For behold, the language which ye shall write I have confounded. So he needs to get writing materials, right? Perhaps tablets, or clay tablets, were common in those days in Babylon, at Babel. Babel is the same word as Babylon. Wherefore, I will cause in my own due time that these stones shall magnify to the eyes of men these things which ye shall write. Well, eventually we learn that these stories were written on plates. And Ether wrote the 24 plates, which were of gold. Whether he copied them from other plates, we don't know. A large part of the history, at least. But at least the brother of Jerob is told to write. And so are we. We are to keep a record of the things which we do, right? And when the Lord had said these words, he showed unto the brother of Jared all the inhabitants of the earth, which had been, and also all that would be. And he withheld them not from his sight, even unto the ends of the earth. So he's really looking with God's own vision. God showed him. His glory was upon him. And the Lord showed him, the brother Jared, all things from God's point of view. He could see things from the beginning of the world to the ending thereof. To the very end, including all of the world's inhabitants who were in the past, who were in that time and who would be in the future. You can see all things at once when the Lord gives you those kind of visions. But if you start focusing on any detail, then you can see all the details of it as well. Depends where your focus is. But he was given what's called a cosmic vision, a vision of the end from the beginning, which is what is given to translated beings, as we discussed in the last podcast. So he spoke to him in times before, and that kind of gives us another clue of why he was highly favored of the Lord, right? Uh, he spoke with the Lord through the veil. Before that time, it was all through the veil. That if he would believe in him, that he could show unto him all things, it should be shown unto him. Therefore the Lord could not withhold anything from him, for he knew that the Lord could show him all things. So he not only believed it, he knew it. Well, that tells us that he must have had some faith of his responded to or answered, in things that he'd saw before. Talking with the Lord through the veil, he must have had manifestations from the Lord 
to know that that's how the Lord operated. He knew things because the Lord confirmed them to him. He confirmed his faith and it turned into knowledge. And because of this faith and because of his knowledge, his faith in what he had not seen grew stronger. And the Lord said unto him, Write these things and seal them up. I will show them in my own due time unto the children of men. And there's that phrase that pops up all over the place, in mine own due time. And when we analyze that throughout the Book of Mormon, we see that it's a particular time period right before the coming of the Lord that those things will be revealed. Well, we do have a record of them in the Book of Ether that Moroni gave us, and it was translated by him from the 24 plates that were discovered by the people of King Limhi when they went looking for the people of Zarahemla couldn't find it, but they discovered the land northward and the carcasses of men and found these plates that Ether had written. But of course, the record of Ether is not complete. There's many things that Moroni wanted to give us. The greater things are not in it yet. But we'll get to that in a moment. So the brother of Jared had this amazing blessing given. A moment later, we're going to read how the Lord invites us to receive these same things. Us, really? You and I? Yes. Yes, the Lord's making it possible for us if we believe it and if we go on spiritually like the brother of Jared and win favor with the Lord and converse with the Lord through the veil to get ready for the greater things. That's simple. Not always easy to do, but certainly simple. We read in Ether 4, verses 4 and 5, the brother of Jared sees great things. Moroni says, Behold, I have written upon these plates the very things which the brother of Jared saw. And there never were greater things made manifest than those which were made manifest unto the brother of Jared. Well, Moroni and Book of Mormon prophets, they saw the end from the beginning as well. So if he says that, never greater things made manifest, we better believe it. Because that record becomes extremely valuable to us, right? At some point when we receive it again or when we receive the rest of it. Wherefore the Lord hath commanded me to write them, and I have written them. So Moroni has done that. And he commanded me that I should seal them up, and he also hath commanded me that I should seal up the interpretation thereof. Wherefore I have sealed up the interpreters according to the commandment of the Lord. The interpreters being the Urim and Thummim by which the record can be translated. So Moroni has also hidden that up. And he's hidden up this record. Where is this record? Well, as for the 24 plates, Moroni buried them somewhere, and he said, whoso finds them will also have the power to translate them. That's not what we're talking about here. What Moroni is referring to is the sealed portion of the Book of Mormon, which contains the brother of Jared's vision. That had the Urim and Thummim with it, and that was what the prophet Joseph Smith was not permitted to translate at that time. Next we go to Ether 4, verses 6 through 8. The Gentiles see what the brother of Jared saw. Really? Us? Yes. Read on. They shall not go forth unto the Gentiles until the day that they shall repent of their iniquity. Aha. Uh -huh. We need to qualify this by repenting of our iniquity. That is, not just our sins, the things of which we can repent and put away and be sorry for, that we did them, but our generational stuff, our habits that we have formed, the dysfunctional patterns in our lives the things that tie us to Babylon and to the world and come clean like the brother of Jared and his group when they went into the wilderness. 
you become totally pure and holy before the Lord. That's quite different from repenting of sins. And become clean before the Lord, that is clean of sin and iniquity. And in that day that they shall exercise faith in me, said the Lord, even as the brother Jared did. Well, what did the brother of Jared do to exercise faith in the Lord? He obeyed the Lord's commandment to travel out and take a long journey, build barges, to ask the Lord for this, that, and the other, how to give them light, how to get air in the barges. And you know, I'm sure that long journey was not easy for them. So all of that is what the brother Jared did in exercising faith in the Lord. So he was up and doing, right? And we must be up and doing if we're going to qualify, exercise faith like he did. That they may become sanctified in me. Sanctified means attaining a state of holiness. That is why Jesus is called man of holiness. We too must become men and women of holiness. When we become sanctified in Christ, then as completely whole and sanctified, then we may qualify for what the brother Jared saw. Because these things are going to go forth unto us. Here is the promise in the scripture. Then will I manifest unto them the things which the brother Jared saw. Wow, really? And there were never greater things which were made manifest to the brother Jared than those to the brother Jared. Ready? He's going to manifest those to us. It says that. Even to the unfolding unto them of all my revelations, said Jesus Christ, the Son of God. All his revelations we may be made privy to. We, Latter-day Saints, at least some of us, who fulfill these roles, these end-time roles of servants of the Most High God. Said Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Father of the heavens and the earth, and all things in them are. That's kind of his signature there, this promise. He's adding his signature. He's the God of all things. And he's the one saying it. And we better believe it, right? Can we really believe that? You better believe it. It's true. And he that will contend against the word of the Lord, let him be accursed. Oh, so there's going to be opposition to this. Well, we knew that. Of course, there's always opposition to what is true and good. Especially these such marvelous things as this. So it also tells us then that there are going to be those among us who will contend against what the Lord will do through these Gentiles who bring forth and see these things in the end time. He that will contend against the word of the Lord, which will then come forth, let him be accursed. And he that will deny these things, let him be accursed. For unto them will I show no greater things, saith Jesus Christ, for I am he who speaketh. All right, well, we have lesser things. We know that the small pates of the Book of Mormon are the lesser things, and the greater things are withheld from us at this point. We're still under condemnation. We're treating them lightly. And we remain under condemnation until we actually believe what we have, right? So we have two phases to accomplish. To believe what we actually have, and then to become purified and sanctified and exercise faith like the brother Jared. Then we shall have even these greater things, and not until then. At least some of us must do this. But to these others who will reject them, because they're already rejecting a lot of truth today, and are really buying into precepts of men, they're going to contend against it. You can always see the division today. They're going to contend against the word of the Lord. Almost like a situation that's already set up for them to do that. If we go to Ether 4, 13 through 16. The Gentiles must rend the veil of unbelief. For the Lord says, Come unto me, O ye Gentiles, as us, your brethren. 
Come unto me, O ye Gentiles, and I will show unto you the greater things, the knowledge of which is hid up because of unbelief. Whose unbelief? Ours. Nobody else's. Our unbelief. If it wasn't because of unbelief, we'd already have this knowledge. So we decide, what unbelief? What don't I believe in? Well, let's talk about Isaiah for a moment. Do you believe and understand Isaiah? Do you keep the commandments? Do you search his words diligently? Isn't that also part of the Book of Mormon? Uh, do you believe in the great works of redemption and salvation and protection wrought by the Book of Mormon heroes? Have you ever thought about emulating them, you yourself? Or are you content to keep the basic principle of the gospel? Assume that that is the fullness of the gospel, when it's not. We need to ask ourselves such searching questions if we're going to not bend to this unbelief that we've been situated. And that's part of our iniquities, part of our dysfunctional patterns. We need to get off our butts and take this word seriously that God has given us. We've been given so much not to do it. Come unto me, O ye house of Israel, and it shall be made manifest unto you how great things the Father has laid up for you from the foundation of the world. So he's asking the Gentiles to come unto him, us, Ephraimites, and also the house of Israel. And to them also will these things be made manifest. But he puts us first because it's going to come to them through us. We're the ones who initiate this great latter-day work. And that is part of our role as Ephraimites. From the foundation of the world, because it was all ordained then, it was part of God's plan, that we should come into the fullness of knowledge and truth and light and understanding, fullness of holiness and purity. It has not come unto you because of unbelief. Them too. They're also in a state of unbelief. That's why we can say, well, the olive tree was full of fruit, but none of it any good in the end time. So something needs to change radically. And what is that? It tells us right here. Behold, when ye shall rend that veil of unbelief. That is what we need to do. We have this unbelief that's ingrained in us. It's part of our mortality, but it binds us down to the situation, this unbelief. And unbelief is also founded in a hardness of heart because like Nephi said to Laman and Lemuel, why don't you inquire of the Lord? Why don't you? Oh, the Lord makes no such thing known to us. And he says, why do you persist in this hardness of your heart? Not inquiring of the Lord is part of what we do when we harden our hearts. Which doth cause you to remain in your awful state of wickedness, this unbelief, and hardness of heart and blindness of mind so we're asleep. We're not even there. We're in another space. We're in a, a state of unreality at this point in time from the Lord's perspective. An awful state of wickedness, hardness of heart, blindness of mind. We can't even see it. We don't even know that we have this hardness of heart. We think we're just normal. No, we're not. From the Lord's perspective, we're really, <laughs> I could use a number of unkind words to describe the, us today, but we won't go there. Let's focus on what we need to do. Then shall the great and marvelous things which have been hid up from the foundation of the world from you. Oh, so they're going to come to us. That is the promise here. Uh, continuing in the next few verses. The Gentiles rend the veil of unbelief. When you shall call upon the Father in my name. Aha. So that's part of the rending of the veil. How do we know that? Because there's two parallel statements in this passage. In the first one, it says, When ye shall rend that veil of unbelief. And then it says, When ye shall call upon the Father in my name. So the wordlings are here, When ye shall. When ye shall do this, when ye shall do that. 
So rending the veil of unbelief, in other words, happens when we call upon the Father in his name. Or, the other way around, when we call upon the Father in his name, that's how we rend the veil of unbelief. It's telling us right here by these parallel statements. But there are qualifiers. Of course there are. Not just calling upon the Father in the name of Jesus, but with a broken heart and a contrite spirit. Then shall you know that the Father hath remembered the covenant which he has made unto your fathers, O house of Israel. So we're part of Ephraim. So we also have fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, as the rest of the house of Israel has, the other tribes. All right, so there we have it. We have to do as the brother of Jared did, call upon the Lord, and he had a broken heart and a contrite spirit. He was pure and he was holy. He exercised faith. Those are all the things that we must do to break through that veil. And it says, And then shall the revelations which I have caused to be written by my servant John, John the Revelator, be unfolded in the eyes of all the people. Well, we've seen the record of John, the book of Revelation, but can you make head or tail of it? Yes, we can pick out a lot of things because he uses imagery from Isaiah and from other Hebrew prophets. And once we trace it back to its original source, then we can kind of get an overview of what John is talking about. But they will be unfolded in the eyes of all the people at that point in time. Remember, when ye see these things, ye shall know that the time is at hand, that they shall be made manifest in very deed. So this is another thing we may expect. We know that the book of Isaiah is going to be unsealed to people in the last days, and that is beginning to happen now with the keys that I found from analyzing the literary features of the book of Isaiah. But also, someone is going to provide, I don't know who it is, a way to unfold the book of Revelation to us. And that is the time that these very things are happening, that these records speak about, the words of Isaiah and the record of John. And lastly, we go to 1 Nephi 14, verses 24 through 30. The Lord chose Nephi and John all things. This is interesting because it throws light on what we just read about the unsealing of records and the coming forth of books, like the record of the brother Jared and his vision. It says, Behold the things which this apostle of the Lamb shall write, that's John, are many things which thou hast seen, that's Nephi has seen, in vision. He had a vision of the end from the beginning, right? But he was commanded not to write at all. Uh, he quoted Isaiah to say some of it. He said, But John will say the rest. And behold, the remainder thou shalt see, but the things which thou shalt see hereafter thou shalt not write. For the Lord God hath ordained the apostle of the Lamb of God that he should write them. And also others who have seen, to them hath he shown all things, and they have written them. So there are others besides the brother Jared and besides Nephi, whose records will also come forth. As it says, and they are sealed to come forth in their purity, according to the truth which is in the Lamb. In their purity, because if humanity had had them today, they could have been changed or modified or not believed in and thrown away, who knows what. So they are to come forth in their purity. In the own due time of the Lord unto the house of Israel. There it is again. In the own due time of the Lord unto the house of Israel. Why the house of Israel? Because the house of Israel will believe them when they are revealed to them. At the time that the house of Israel is being restored and received back into the Lord's covenant, that is the time when they will be revealed to them. And that is identified as the own due time of the Lord. Not right now, not at this moment. And I, Nephi, heard and bear record that the name of the apostle of the Lamb was John, according to the word of the angel. The angel accompanied him in the vision. 
And behold, I, Nephi, am forbidden that I should write the remainder of the things which I saw and heard. Wherefore, the things which I have written sufficeth me, and I have written but a small part of the things which I saw. Well, he wrote quite a bit, but small in comparison to the rest, right? And I bear record that I saw things, the things which my father saw, and the angel of the Lord did make them known unto me. And now I make an end of speaking concerning the things which I saw while I was carried away in the spirit. And there you have it. Great things are to be revealed. And who are they to be revealed to? To us. That is, if we put ourselves in the place of receiving them and do the things that, that we need to do to get there. So in summary, the Lord invites us to become as the brother of Jared to see all that he saw. Wow. Time frame. When the Latter-day Gentiles emulate the brother of Jared and become sanctified. Waiting for us to happen. Moving forward, how may we repent, become clean, exercise faith, and become sanctified? And travel the same path the brother Jared path. And next time, are there other prophets spoken of that are like Moses, not only the Lord himself? We'll discuss that and find some scriptures about that. We're basing everything on the scriptures. No speculation here. No private interpretation. Nothing. Just scriptures. Recommended reading, End Time Prophecy, a Judeo-Mormon analysis. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed this, and we'll see you at the next podcast. God bless you all. Please share. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us today. Join us next time when we learn the coming of one like Moses. Do the scriptures speak of more than one prophet like Moses besides Jesus Christ? Do Isaiah's prophecies throw light on what Jesus said about his servant?